0: I invite you to open your Bibles to Isaiah, chapter 46, and I'll read a couple of verses beginning at verse 9, Isaiah 46 and verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure." Noticing especially that last phrase, uh, or last sentence, "My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure." God, only God, can say that. In uh, Paul's letter to First Timothy, writing about Jesus Christ, he calls him the blessed. And only potentate, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And a potentate is a ruler who is unrestrained by law. In other words, there is no law over him. He has unlimited authority and power, there is no ruler or rule higher. And when John on Patmos saw a vision of Jesus in uh, Revelation 19, he describes what he saw. That he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Over all kings, over all lords, the highest one. David refers often in the Psalms to the Lord's sovereignty. Uh, Just a few examples in Psalm 93. In verse one, the Lord reigneth. The Lord reigneth. In Psalm 96, say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. In Psalm 97, the Lord reigneth let the earth rejoice. Psalm 99, the Lord reigneth, let the people tremble. The sovereignty of God is well established in the scriptures. God is over all. He is all powerful, all knowing, all wise, And he is in control. He is sovereign. He is king of all creation. And just as nothing was made, nothing was created apart from him, nothing is beyond his reach or beyond his rule. And when God decrees something, it will happen. Does that mean that everything that happens Is by God's decree? No, there are things the scripture shows us that God allows. And he has decided that he will allow certain things. It is his decision that he will give man, for instance, a power of choice up to a point. Man can choose to yield himself to God, the sovereign God, to surrender and serve him and obey him. Or he can choose to resist God, to rebel, to be his own king, as it were, and rule his own life the best way he can. But God holds man accountable for his choices. And whether we're a Christian or a sinner apart from God, to hear that God is sovereign, that the Lord reigneth, would make us feel differently, depending whether we are God's child or God's enemy. And when the psalmist said in 97, the Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice. We can rejoice as Christians. But for people who are sinners, the Lord reigneth. Let the people tremble. God invites man to choose him. Jesus said, Whosoever will, whosoever will. And God desires man to choose him. Paul wrote that God would have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. But he leaves the choice to man. And just because man has the power to choose doesn't make him free of God's sovereign rule. Man makes his choices within boundaries. Somebody described God's sovereignty and man's choice this way, as being like a baby in a playpen. And within that playpen, the baby can do what he chooses. But there are boundaries set up by the parents that prevent the baby from certain activities. When he's in the playpen, He doesn't have the liberty to go and reorganize the bottom drawers and the cupboards. And also what's in that playpen is determined by the parents, not by the baby. Likewise, God places boundaries that apply to man. And here are a few of them. One of them is natural laws of nature, gravity that constrain Man, I can't jump over the church, that's very obvious, I can't fly, I can't jump off of a building without hurting myself, unless God would intervene and overrule natural laws, and there are times when God has done that. But there are natural laws that constrain us, and there are many things about ourselves that weren't our choice. God decided Our parents, our families, our brothers, sisters, and so forth, our heritage, when we were born, where we were born, our race, our gender. All these things are not of my choosing. And then there are things that God decides, that God decrees. They will come to pass if God decides something will be a certain way. A man cannot resist it or change it. The in Second Thessalonians it speaks about God, God's restraint on an evil earth, an evil nation, an evil an evil world, the population of the world until. God removes the restraint and then evil will abound more and more. If God chooses to limit himself, it is within his sovereignty to do so. But within God's boundaries that he does place On man, man has a lot of room to choose and it doesn't diminish the sovereignty of Almighty God. He can be sovereign. He is sovereign in charge and and giving oversight without making, deciding everything, every move that happens on the earth. That God does choose to give man choice and still accomplishes his purposes is is further witness of his great sovereign power that he can give man latitude and give man room to choose and God still do what he has decided he will do is a testimony of his power. I want to think about man and God's sovereignty. First thinking of the sovereign God and the sinner, the one who is resisting God and resisting God's ways. The scripture tells us, the Lord is slow to anger. That's from Nahum. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. And a few verses later in verse six of the first chapter, who can stand before his indignation and who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire and the rocks are thrown down by him. That uh, scripture from Isaiah that we looked at, remember the former things of old. My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Uh, Those several verses there were addressing the transgressor. Sinners can try to ignore God. They do ignore God. But God does not ignore the sinner. He knows him. He knows his life. Jesus told the parable in Luke 12 about a wealthy farmer. And the farmer looked on his fields and his crops and his barns. And there was plenty. And he was very pleased. And he was very satisfied. There was no acknowledgement of God. He did not look up. He just looked out on his property. No thanks for rain and the miracle of growth. He had plans. He planned to uh, replace his barns. He had an expansion program. And he was planning for a comfortable retirement. He was ignoring God. But God didn't ignore him. And God said, thou fool, how foolish he was. The sinner can try to hide from God and sinful man has a strong tendency to try to hide from God. John said of the world that men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. In Job, Elihu said this truth, there is no darkness nor shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. The thought being they can't hide themselves from God. Sinners can't hide. Rebels can run, but they'll not escape. One rebel we read about in the Bible was Jonah. He knew God. He understood what God had told him to do. And he didn't want to do it. And somehow he thought he could get away. And we're familiar with the story. He thought he was getting away, but sovereign God was right there with him wherever he ran. And as fast as he ran, He was with him on the land as he was heading for the shore. He was with him when he got on the ship. And God got him. And taught him a lesson, a valuable lesson. Rebels can run, but they will not escape. The proud can resist, but they cannot stand against God. Pharaoh, just an excellent example from the Bible. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him? Who is the Lord anyway that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And 10 devastating plagues later, Pharaoh and all of Egypt were ready to let the people go. They practically drove them out. God even uses rebels to accomplish his purposes. God can work his eternal purposes even though man is working against him, raging against him. He even uses rebellious man to accomplish some of his ends. After Peter and John were released from the Jews after the healing of the lame man, they and the other disciples got together and they were praying and they lifted up their voice to God in Acts 4 with one accord. In verse 26 starting there of Acts 4 the kings of the earth stood up. This is part of their prayer. And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. And catch this for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. So here in their prayer they were they they knew this truth that Herod was against him he tried to kill baby Jesus. Okay, now this was the Herod at the trial. That Herod was against him, Pilate was against him, the Gentiles were against him and the people of Israel were against him, all gathered together against Jesus and they were going to kill him. But they were doing whatsoever thy hand, whatsoever God's sovereign hand and counsel had determined before would be done. They thought they were the winners. They weren't. Man can choose to go against God, but God will judge him for his choices. On Mars Hill in Athens, Paul said that God has appointed a day Was part of his sermon. God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. There is a day appointed, a day of judgment. And Christ, the risen one, is that judge. and that judgment will sometime come. God will decide, God has decided a time, we don't know it, but there is a time set that God knows and he will bring it about. God has decreed there is a day of judgment coming. In Revelation 20, A few verses there, beginning at verse 11. Maybe you want to turn there. It's familiar to us. Revelation 20, beginning at verse 11. John saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. That God allows man choice. And God watches man resist him and mock him and rebel against him in no way weakens the authority and might of God. God bides his time, he's working behind the scenes in ways unknown to sinners and unnoticed and often unnoticed by the righteous who believe that he is and that he is working. And at some point, this sovereign almighty God will move and flex his mighty arm. And sometime he will be known to all men and every knee shall bow And every tongue will confess. God is sovereign. These things are terrifying thoughts, alarming thoughts to sinners to know that they are on the wrong side. It is a caution to us. It's a caution to all of us as well. But for the Christian to know the uh, sovereign God, to know him as sovereign, is a wonderful blessing. God has decreed this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God said that. And those who do believe in his son, Jesus Christ, believe in in the son and surrender to his lordship, become his children. Those who choose God are chosen by God to be his children. And to his children, he gives many and wonderful promises. And those promises can only mean something to us because because God is sovereign. If God is not sovereign, His promises are only God stating his intentions and stating what he would like to do or what he will try, maybe try very hard, maybe try even his utmost to do. Maybe he'll be able to accomplish that. But because he is sovereign, his promises are real and true Abraham was pers- persuaded that God was sovereign and that he could carry out every promise He w- <clears throat> excuse me he was fully persuaded that when that what God had promised he was able also to perform. That's what the Christian can know. We have the promise of God's presence. In Hebrews 13, He hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Nothing can keep God from me. Who can separate us from the love of God? Romans 8. God is present with me. David knew it. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou compassest my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, it is high. I cannot attain unto it. God is with me. God is a helper, a helper for the saints. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. He is here with us to help us. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help whose hope is in the Lord his God. Psalm 146 and verse five. And that wonderful uh, benediction in Ephesians 3. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Sovereign God is with us and he helps us and he works in our hearts, in our lives, in our circumstances. Sovereign God at times allows wicked people to trouble his people. In Hebrews 11, it lists people of faith for whom the sovereign God worked miraculously, delivering them from earthly harm. But he also mentions people of faith that he allowed to suffer. To suffer undescribable torture and suffering. In verse 36, and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. These he strengthened. These he comforted in their trouble with a hope of a glorious future and delivered into his presence and his glory. Because Sovereign God was with them. And, you know, we look at these situations. We look at Peter. Peter was in jail. And you know what the plan was. That the next day he would be taken out and he would be executed to satisfy the Jews and to to impress the Jews. I don't think that Peter had any, uh, uh, any doubts about what evil purposes were being planned for the next day for him. And he went to sleep. God was with him. This is in God's hands. And he was awakened. Somebody patting on his shoulder, arm, back, something woke him up. It was an angel that led him out of the prison. His shackles fell off, the gates opened, and he was out on the street and suddenly alone. Delivered. Amazing. God is good. God is good. And Stephen, there before the Sanhedrin, before that angry gang of men, and despising him, and wishing he were dead, and very soon, he was drug out and stoned to death, and God was with him, and God strengthened him, and God delivered him. God is good, the men, the disciples, his brothers and sisters wept at his martyrdom. He was uh, delivered. God, sovereign God, had this in his control. God may allow some grievous injustices to come on us yet here in America in the land of the free. Sometime, maybe before too long. But God God is with us. I'm impressed with the song, This is My Father's World. The first couple of verses... All nature sings and round me rings, praising the creator. The birds their carols raise and he shines, God shines on all that's fair and speaks to me and so on. But the third stanza says this. This is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrongs seem oft so strong, God God is the ruler yet. So even this fallen world is still my father's world. And he is the ruler yet. God will vindicate all sin and injustice. He will accomplish his purposes. The Lord is the king. The sovereign king. sometimes God allows um, evil people to have their way and make things miserable for Christians. And sometimes God allows just misery in a Christian's life. And thinking uh, just currently of Joe and Mary Sue and the frightening times they've had and the fears and When she was in the doctor's office, uh, Dr. Jones was quite alarmed and quite concerned and thinking dire things for Sister Mary Sue. He did not like what he saw. So we're thankful where things are now. Still scary, scary things. But God allows those things And even in those things, God is with us. God has purposes. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or all kinds of awful things? None of those things. We can be conquerors in all of those things through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That God is sovereign is for the saint, a wonderful comfort. It doesn't guarantee no storms. No miseries, no disasters. But it does mean that regardless how disturbing something may be or how stressful circumstances may be, how out of control situations may seem to be, and how chaotic, it is not chaos to God. There is no chaos with God. With God with us, even though we are scared, bothered in all kinds of ways, we are no less secure in the storm than when the sea is calm. That that song Peace Be Still That we sing once in a while. Master, the tempest is raging, the billows are tossing high. The sky is o'ershadowed with blackness, no shelter or help is nigh. Carest thou not that we perish? How canst thou lie asleep when each moment so madly is threatening a grave in the angry deep. The winds and the waves shall obey thy will. Peace be still. Whether the wrath of the storm tossed sea, or demons, or men, or whatever it be, no waters can swallow the ship where lies the master of ocean and earth and skies. They all shall sweetly obey thy will. Peace be still, peace be still. They all shall sweetly obey thy will. Peace, peace be still. There's so many scriptures, so many scriptures that directly or indirectly, address or are linked to the sovereignty of God. Think about the sovereignty of God when you read the Bible. So many scriptures would mean little except that God is sovereign. We have uh, thought of this with the Beatitudes and, and with our lesson this morning. Uh, Just a couple weeks ago, we were studying the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Who will know? Who will know? Who will identify the poor in spirit? Or the true mourners? The sovereign God? Who will see? That the meek receive the kingdom of heaven. Who will provide comfort for the mourners? The sovereign God. Who will know. Those who are reviled and persecuted. And see that there is a great reward in heaven for them. And who is going to know. Who is. Overlooking commandments and breaking them and who is doing and teaching them and making providing something great in the kingdom of heaven for them and on and on through the scripture 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says for all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen Unto the glory of God by us. God is sovereign. He rules over all. God is in control. God gives man choice. He invites man to choose him. But he has the choice to serve God, surrender to God, or to serve himself. And to let self reign in his life. But man is accountable to sovereign God. The sinner can rebel. He can take his own way. But he's a loser. He's a loser here. He's a loser in eternity. The Christian surrenders. You are the king of my life, he says to God. And he finds help, he finds security and purpose and eternal reward. We want to be among those who know and serve to the one who has a name written on his vesture and on his thigh, a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The Lord reigneth. Shall we have a closing song?